My guest today is Jerome LeCat, CEO of Scality, the recognized market leader in specialized data file and object storage. Whether it's sensitive healthcare data, financial records, national treasures, video programming, or any high-value digital asset, Scality has a proven track record of ensuring 100% data integrity and 100% data availability. Scality's excellence was recognized recently for the fifth year in a row as a leader in Gartner's Magic Quadrant for digital file systems and data object storage. Scality CEO Jerome LeCat is passionate about entrepreneurship and the art of management. In his words, creating a culture that is respectful of every individual, joyful, and that delivers exceptional results is an art, not a science. It takes constant learning and refinement. Jerome LeCat, welcome to the Good Company Podcast. Thank you, Barbara, and it's an honor to be invited to your podcast. I mean, likewise, I've been listening to your podcast for quite a while. And I, when you reached out to me, it was a surprise and an honor. Well, thank you, Jerome. So let's get right into it. Tell us about Scality. What does it do? Um, who are your clients? And please explain why you so frequently use the word freedom to describe the value of your work. So definitely, uh, freedom is definitely a theme in my life and a theme in uh, Skeleti as well. We, we, you know, we start from a really strong belief that data is the fuel for human progress. And uh, if we spoke 20 years ago, I would not have put the word data, I would have put the word knowledge, but I would have said the same sentence. Uh, knowledge is the fuel for human progress. And with the digital transformation, with the fourth industrial revolution, all of our life, look at this recording we're doing now, is becoming digital. You're recording me not on magnetic tape. You're recording me on a hard drive. You're storing data. You think you're recording my voice, but you're storing data. And so data has become the fuel of human progress. Data has become the core of our communication, whether it's voice or video uh, or other kind of interactions. And what we really want to do is to empower every organization to have access to unlimited data storage so that they can invent the future of the world and do whatever they want to do in the world in a way that is more cost efficient, more agile, higher performance, and cost effective at the same time. So in a nutshell, that's what we do. And we do this for people who have a quest for independence. I mean, there's another kind of companies out there that do also provide vast amount of storage for data is the public cloud providers. The Azure Google Cloud Platform or Amazon Web Service of this world, they do a really good job and, and they're great. But there are people who want to have more independence and these are our customers. So essentially public sector, governments, police, defense, national libraries. We have lots of national libraries all around the world. Uh, Fortune 500 companies like Bloomberg, all um, the very largest banks in the world. We've got six of the 15 largest banks in the world as our customers. Their data is so critical and they absolutely need to preserve independence from any pressure, whether these are private sector or government. Um, cloud services that also want to keep an independence, people like whether it's B2C for consumer cloud services like uh, Comcast and Charter, for example, here in the US, or whether it's B2B cloud services, 
cloud services to power other enterprise to do something else, uh, like Rackspace, for example, in the US, our customers. And we provide them with technology that allow them to store vast amount of data efficiently for their customers, whether they're consumers or enterprise. And the last uh, type of customers we have, and we're very proud, are hospitals, because also our health and our relationship to our health and how doctors can monitor our health has become digital. When I was a kid, we used to do X-ray on a film. Now X-rays are all digital. And hospitals are able to save all these exams that we do. Um, you know, have a one secret in a healthcare that everyone knows is that people are actually not very good at, get, at keeping the history of their exams. So you come back to the doctor 10 years later, you think it's unrelated, but the doctor knows that there may be a relationship between why you came 10 years ago and ask for your exams for 10 years ago, and usually you lost them. So hospitals now store this kind of exam for us, and obviously you want a lot of security around this and you want independence, and that's where we help them. And we've got uh, 42 hospitals as customers all around the world. So we're pretty proud of that. That's amazing. Um, and a couple of words that you've used are really ringing true, ringing for me as meaningful for you and uh, probably unique to what Scality does. The first thing you said was freedom is a theme in your life. And you're, you use the word independence, but I'm wondering from your description, if, if you don't play a very important role in the realm of privacy for companies where privacy is most important, but you use the word independence. So I don't want to blur that distinction if it shouldn't be blurred. No, you're right, but um, you know, I try to avoid words that are that are overused because I don't control their meaning anymore. And now we're at a point where so many people use privacy, and the way the U.S. uses the word privacy, and the way Europe uses the word privacy is different. So rather than using a word that may not mean the same thing for everyone, I'd rather use a word and define it. So independence, people understand, and people understand that. There are organizations in the world that have to stay independent from pressure, whether these pressures come from the private sector or the public sector. And this is really the organizations that we serve. Excellent. Thank you for that clarification. And what is the relationship between independence and the meaning of freedom and the importance of freedom in your life? Yeah. Look, freedom, freedom is connected to responsibility. If you don't have a responsible behavior, you're not really free because you're just basically a slave of all your emotions. So you need a sense of responsibility. And you also need a sense of being in control of your life, being able to make choices. Without choices, there's no freedom. And these, these two things really point to having some independence, some independence from um, you know, what, what you learn as a child from all these bias that all of us we get as we grow up in a society, whatever society, whatever culture we grew up in. Um, and, you know, independence from pressures, uh, uh, you know, uh, in, um, in, in Buddhist terms, you would say independence from your ego. Uh, and, uh, and really freedom is achieving all these independence. I think you're very Buddhist. <laughs> I have lived now in San Francisco for 13 years, so I definitely um, got uh, some of the Buddhist themes um, in myself now. Yeah, sure. Yeah, cool. Um, so a little bit on the same theme and something you and I talked about that surprised me because before uh, you and I spoke live, I had no way of guessing how much human themes 
really resonate for you because I made the incorrect assumption that you're a big data tech guy and you're going to be very, you know, by the book numbers focused that turned out not to be true at all of you. And uh, you mentioned a question that has been very relevant, which is, is it possible to be both altruistic and be a good CEO? Yeah. How do you answer that question today? Yeah, you, you you got me thinking about the question. Actually, it's not a question I'm often asked. And, you know, I, today, uh, with a little bit of thinking, I'd say, what else? I mean, how, how can you be a CEO and not be altruistic? Uh, what, what do I want to do as a CEO? Why am I a CEO? I'm a CEO because I want to make the world a better place. I know it's a big, big thing, but at the end of the day, that, that's why I'm doing what I'm doing. That's why I found that skeleton. If everything was perfect in the storage world, why would I have started a new company in the storage world? It's because I thought I could do better. I could make the world a better place. And, um, you know, when, when you want to make the world a better place, you have to pay attention to others. Uh, one of the books that have uh, tremendously influenced how I am a CEO pretty young in my career uh, is uh, Good to Great from Jim Collins. And in I have his it right book, on my shelf here. Uh, I, it's over there for me. <laughs> uh, but, uh, you know, he, he talks about level five leadership. And, and for me, it was completely new and surprising when I read it. And he said how successful CEOs are actually humble. And they may be charismatic, but it actually doesn't matter. They may be charismatic or not. And I had this picture, you know, learned from school that you had to be very charismatic and be able to go on TV and blah, blah, blah. And I just realized that there's something else. And, you know, now it's something like 20 years later, so I've had time to think more about it. But really, uh, for me today, I'll, I'll say on the question of can you be altruistic CEO, what else? I mean, any CEO that is serious about making the world a better place is paying attention to others and is altruistic. And that assumes then that that CEO is not focusing solely on the bottom line, the numbers and the metrics. How do you balance it? And, but also focusing on the bottom line. It, it's an end, it's, it's not exclusive. There's no reason to make this exclusive. Um, the way I balance it for myself and around me is essentially avoiding any behavior of greed. There's a difference between wanting to make money and being greedy and let's be clear I, I like money i have a very good life i make money and it's great but greed is something else greed has no limit greed is i want always more and i do want always more in the dimension of making the world a better place i do not want always more in the dimension of money so it's it's a balancing act i mean you're right i mean you know every year when i'm doing budgets, I'm thinking about, okay, well, so there's my customers. If I raise the price, it's too expensive for them. I need to be careful. They are my employees. Okay, they want a raise. They should have a raise. But how much do I put them? Because if I give too much to my employees, there's not enough for my shareholders. And then and then there's the rest. Uh, for us, you know, when we think about the environment of security, there's obviously our customers, our employees, our shareholders. But there's also our partners, our resellers. We need to leave a margin for them. There's also technology advancement. We do some research. I'm, I'm absolutely, I think this is very important that as a tech company, we contribute to research, even if we're not going to make money from it next year. We're, we're contributing to something bigger. And there's social responsibility. There's the planet. I mean, and we're, we're 
putting some money aside for that. Um, this year we're helping replanting trees, especially in California. Uh, but uh, this has been a habit for us. And, and for several years now, uh, we do a donation matching for all of our employees because we don't want to dictate what our employees should care about. We want to help them care about the world in the way they want to take care of the world. That's great. As you're trying to balance all of these elements in terms of where you put the resources available to you, your time and attention, uh, the time and attention of your people, the money available, and all the resources, um, how transparent are you with your executive team and with the employees in your company? Uh, where do you draw the line on that? So my desire is to be completely transparent, totally transparent. Yet I have found that sometimes uh, this is actually not what people want to hear, not the most efficient. But there are moments of extreme stress. There has been several times in my career where I just didn't have cash to make payrolls. It's not super useful to tell this to your employees, especially as you scramble to find a way to make payroll and you finally do make payroll. Uh, and again, it's happened several times to me. Um, I'm, I'm, you know, we're fortunate at Skeleti, we're way beyond that stage now, and I don't have to worry about these things. But this is an example of something that is just not useful to communicate, even if you want to live in utter transparency. Absolutely. Yeah, makes total sense. Um, let's talk about diversity. Obviously, um, a very important topic right now. And really challenging in so many companies, even where you have CEOs and entire leadership team that believes, you know, in the benefit of this and wants to do better. What's your view of diversity? Why is it important in the world? Why is it important for business? And what is your approach around diversity right now at Scality? Yeah. So for me, I mean, you're, you're totally right. This is a delicate subject. Um, and for me, it starts uh, at a spiritual level. Uh, I really believe that every individual, every culture, every human group holds part of the key for the future of humanity. And, and this is a really deep belief in me, that every human group has a key. And if we don't pay attention to a group, when at some point, and maybe in a hundred years, maybe in a thousand years, we're going to really regret it because we're we're going to need exactly what that group had that we didn't pay attention to. Okay, so this is uh, you know this is very far from your question and at the same time completely related to you. No, it's completely in the heart of the question. So, you know, at school I learned that every employee is replaceable. This is cannot be further away from my belief. I believe that every individual is completely unique. And we welcome in Skeleti every individual with their uniqueness. At school, I learned that you never change the organization based on an individual. I believe the exact opposite. When there's a new individual, that individual comes with skills. There's some weaknesses in things you assumed, and there's some great gem that you didn't know about. And you adapt to leverage the gem in, in these individuals. And, and I, I can take everyone and I will include, I mean, obviously I've, I've been in business for many years and I have let go of many people through the years. I will include even all of them. And most, most times when I have to let go someone, 
it's because the company made a mistake in placing that person in a role that that person is not really good for. Most times, okay, there, there are exceptions, obviously, as anything. So first of all, for me, it's about the uniqueness and the gem in each individual. We celebrate diversity. Um, you know, that's also very important. So the, the easy thing for us, because we're a global company, we have uh, customers in 36 countries. We've got 25 nationalities for 190 employees. So that, that, that diversity is up there. What fun. And I can tell you that I have mastered through the years the ability to speak to such cultural difference. And I can tell you that the same sentence spoken in Germany or in France or in the US or in Japan doesn't have the same meaning. So you need to be very careful how you communicate when you want to communicate to everyone at the same time. The other thing is we started uh, celebrating uh, new children. So mothers who are pregnant, that was step number one. Uh, one thing that we've started doing that's wonderful is that um, uh, we do an annual kickoff where we bring all the company together once a year. Obviously, it's not going to happen now, but uh, usually we do this. And it's a very uh, important time in the life of our company because most of us don't see each other for the whole year. I mean, I, I try to go uh, to see my Japan team once a year, but you know, even that doesn't always happen. And I have a big team on the East Coast of the US. I live on the West Coast. I don't see them that often. Um, so this is very important. And uh, well, we realized that, um, you know, mothers that have very young kids, uh, who they're back to work, but they have children of like, a, let's say, a two to nine month old, typically they were not coming. So at some point I offered, I said, look, look what about we pay for a nanny on site? You come with your child, we may, we'll make everything easy for you. And we'll have a nanny and you come to the sessions where you can come. And, you know, when you're with your baby, there's no problem. And so we started doing this and this is great. And I, I just, <laughs> you know, so I think that diversity starts with celebrating. Um, and here, the other thing that we've done, um, you know, I've, I've been really researching and trying to understand and speaking with a lot of women uh, about, okay, what, what's this whole story about patriarchy um, society and what, what makes that situation um, that uh, women are oppressed in many, many situations? Where, 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 okay. Very clearly, this is cultural and that starts at a, at a very young age. And it starts with children, typically at a young age, uh, being only with their mother and not with their father. Because the father goes to work and the mom stops working to you know, take care of the baby. I mean, this is the standard, okay? So uh, realizing that you need to start things and change things in the culture, in the society. Um, uh, at the beginning of 2020, we decided to give paternity leave. Uh, and, uh, you know, if you'd asked me 10 years ago, I would have said no way in my life, but you know, so, you know, we evolved. And I'm glad I've done, uh, because I realized that this is this is the condition. We need to, we need for, Babies growing up to see their mom and their dad. We need the way the, the 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 framework of the family builds to build with mom and dad, and we also need the dads to experience what it is to leave the company for a month. So we just give one month of of paternity leave, which is a shorter than maternity leave. And and because now in a, in our modern societies we can have two fathers and two mothers, uh, we honor this as well. So every every form of maternity of paternity that 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 exists we honor um so i think that it starts with small actions like this to say you mean it now 
where the topic of diversity becomes really, really complex is that it, you also see behaviors that I personally consider reprehensible. Um, you know, I, I just uh, I received um, this week um, a message from a headhunter uh, who titled, are you interested in gender diverse SaaS A player sales talent? So basically he's advertising gender diverse, like I'm going to recruit someone because that person, and then you read a few words later uh, and puts forward, this person had a four month maternity leave. Okay, so now I know it's a female, <laughs> um, which I'm not supposed to know at this stage. Um, and so what I'm being sold here is you're going to improve your diversity ratio. And honestly, I want to recruit a woman because she's the best and the unique at what she does, not because she's a woman. And so I'm very, very careful. At the same time, I'll tell you, frankly, if we have a man and a woman, if we have, you know, um, 50 years old, white male like me, or someone coming from diversity will 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 take the diverse choice every time when we have choice but i don't want to end up recruiting someone because they're a number in the diversity game what has made more sense to me is to broaden your own and your executive team's personal network and relationships of where you, the arenas in which you connect the people that you have relationships with and for sure over time that will lead you to the arenas where the diverse talent Plays and you can be more or less aggressive at that from a time frame. But um, how do you approach finding diverse talent? Are you doing anything differently? So first of all, what you're saying is is very true, and actually uh, there, there's statistics behind it. Uh, for a company that was founded by uh, white males, it's actually really hard to 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 make this company be diverse. And uh, I belong to a, an entrepreneur CEO group called the uh, Galion Project, and uh, we've got. Uh, women and men uh, entrepreneurs and we've noticed statistically that women entrepreneurs it's really easy for them to recruit women define them including on tech so they're there okay so it's exactly as you said first of all i, I mean what, what we chose at security and what i would recommend i mean there is something about celebrating diversity inside the company so first of all it's about um uh, changing the culture our first attempt at diversity was um, several years ago, six, seven years ago. And we went to schools that have more, uh, a, a higher proportion of uh, women. Uh, in the, so engineering school with higher proportion of women. They exist, you can find them. So we went there and we recruited heavily, we recruited many women. Um, but um, they all left after a year. And that's when we realized that actually it's not enough to recruit, you need to retain, right. okay? And um, and I just want to realize, I'm realizing we're talking a lot about men and women, but diversity is multidimensional and, and we should talk about racial diversity as well. But yes, but I want to finish on this. So we realized that, okay, so we, we that you can have a method for recruiting, but you, what you really want is a culture inside your company that, that, that fosters the living together. And so then for several years, we worked on the culture and this is where all these initiatives around, uh, um, I mean, we use children and we, we we also run a lot together. I mean, we have different kinds of initiatives to really shift the culture. And now the good news is when we recruit women, they stay. <laughs> <laughs> and so that, that's step number one. Uh, the, the other step you're mentioning, I fully agree with you. It's about 
our own networks as leaders. Yeah. And uh, and for me, one of the really great success is that we have 25 nationalities at Skeleti, which means that every of them is an ambassador of the brand. And it's becoming more and more easier for us to recruit from any nationality. And this year, we've learned that we don't need to recruit in any specific geographic location. That's a big learning of, of 2020. And this is great because we have even more freedom to recruit any kind of individual. So, uh, you know, as you talk, I think anyone listening will be struck by um, your openness to change and your own personal humility, which you mentioned at the very top of our conversation. And how do you respond to feedback? How important is feedback for you and for the company? Um, people who are not humble and are not open to it uh, usually manage to avoid getting feedback. And I'm guessing you are not that kind of person, Jerome. And I'd really love to hear about the role that feedback plays for you personally as a leader, as well as how you handle feedback at Scality. So, yeah, the, the feedback started when I was 32 years old and I did my, I, I had a coach do the first uh, 360 on me. And I discovered that I was not listening to people, which I had no idea about. So um, that, that, that was a blow. And then I decided to learn how to listen. Uh, and, uh, and at Skeleti, we've, we've organized uh, things to get feedback. So um, first of all, we, we've got a process. We use a, a company called Pecan, and we do a, a, a staff of the survey that's completely anonymous uh, every three weeks. Uh, every we get three weeks. Well, so they get a third of the survey every three weeks. So we, we, we put it in bite size, uh, but that gives us a, a rolling pulse of the staff. And we we receive about a thousand comments a quarter. Uh, my chief of staff reads absolutely all of them. I will confess that I read only about 10% of them, but I do read 10% of them. So we, we have a way of feedback for the whole staff. Now, uh, my direct report all often say that it's difficult to uh, give me feedback, not because I will not listen, but because I'm a really good at argumenting. <laughs> and so if you tell me something, I'm going to explain why it's not true or why I think differently and why I have good reasons. So it's for me, uh, feedback is about truly listening and, 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 and just putting a pause yeah. between the listening and the responding. And the responding. Yes. Okay. And, and two other things that, that I've discovered over the years. First of all, the only way you truly listen is if you're ready to change your mind. Oh, that's if beautiful. Can I, listen, I quote you? Can I quote you? That's terrific. Sure. The only way you truly listen is if you're willing to change your mind. Oh, both political parties need this right now. That's brilliant. Sorry to interrupt. Please continue. <laughs> and, and, and the second thing that I've discovered that is actually even harder is that the only way you'll get true feedback is if you're willing to give feedback. And you, the feedback you will receive is only as good as the, the feedback you're willing to give. Sometimes it's hard. And to say something that is you know, hard to hear to someone that, that you generally want to continue working with, you need, you need to create the right conditions. You need to find the right words to be always grounded in facts. Um, and you need to take time and attention. So the only way you'll receive valid, useful feedback is if you're willing to put this time and attention to give good feedback. Absolutely. I'm going to give you something from uh, 
the CEO peer group that I run called the CEO board. And the word that we use for what you're talking about is we give carefrontational feedback. I love it. Carefrontational. Yeah. Um, and that works because when people know that you're coming from a place of truly caring about them and their best interest at heart, um, the listening is there. So, um, yeah, that's great. Uh, okay, I have two final questions for you. And the first one you're not going to be expecting, but it's not hard. What has most surprised you about being a CEO? What did you not expect? It's hard. I, I didn't know it was so hard. I mean, um, the, the, I'm super happy doing what I'm doing. I've been a CEO now for 30 some years. Um, but I've, I've gone through really tough times. Uh, it's not hard every day, but the law can be really hard. And obviously, I mean, what I'm going to say now is not a surprise. It's a solitude job. It's also, I often say to people around me, it's, it's an, it's, it's a job very similar to an athlete. If you're not paying attention to your health, if you're not paying attention to, you know, your mental health, to how you sleep, how you eat, uh, how you exercise. You, you cannot be at your top and, and functional. So as an athlete, uh, you have to pay attention to all that. And you're very alone, like an athlete also. Uh, but yeah, my, I, didn't, I didn't know, I didn't expect it to be so hard. Absolutely right. It, other than being a mother or a parent, I think it's the hardest job in the world. It is very solitary and difficult. Um, okay, last question. What is the one word that best describes you? I need two. I need two words. Okay. It's audacity and grit. Say again? Audacity, taking risk, being bold, mm -hmm. and grit. I just never give up. I love it. And honestly, to me, they, they go together a little bit. But, um, but How do they yeah. go together? Because when you take risk, you don't know where you're going to land. And, and you need grit to continue risking until you land where you want or need to land. Terrific. So much value in this conversation, Jerome. I, I really can't thank you enough. Um, I loved our first conversation, but this has 10X'd it. It was really, really fun. I'm delighted to get to know you and um, hope that you'll come back as a guest on the Good Company podcast in the future. It's an honor and thank you very much. You're very welcome. Huge thanks to Jerome Lecat for opening our eyes to the link between data storage and freedom, and for the leadership example he provides as a CEO running a successful global brand data company that's also an example of good listening, inclusion, caring, and constant learning. If you're looking for a better solution to your data storage, go to Scality.com. If you'd like to connect with Jerome Lecat, that's L-E-C-A-T, you'll find him on LinkedIn and on Twitter at at J-L-E-C-A-T. If you like what you're hearing, you'll find all the Good Company episodes on iTunes or your favorite podcast platform. If you're curious about working with me, send me an email, barbara at shannon-solutions.com. Till next time, stay strong and carry on. I'm Barbara Shannon. And you are listening to the Good Company Podcast. <laughs>